All right. So on the podcast today, we have Coach Brian Faber. Uh, he is a former head boys basketball coach at Nitro High School and St. Albans High School. I know you will love the wisdom he gives to us on this podcast. All right. So today on the Mind of a Football Coach podcast, we have a basketball coach. We have Coach Brian Faber uh, here on the podcast. Coach, welcome. Hey, appreciate you having me. Man, this is going to be great. Um, Coach, we've known each other for how long? Uh, three or four years. Three or four years. You were my Coke mentor when we were doing Coke on the weekend. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> what time of the morning was that, you think, when we got in there? It was probably about 6 a.m. Yeah, it was It was early for sure. Um, geez, we were at Delaware Avenue Kroger, I think. I do. I remember that. Yeah. And I still work that store, so I guess they. it's like fate that I would go back there. Yeah, I, I I had to retire from that gig. Oh yeah, but you were like at Hurricane, like it, you know, all over the place. You know what I mean? Yeah, I had a Hurricane in Taze Valley mostly. Okay, cool, coach. Well, coach, give the list a little bit of background about yourself, if you don't mind, uh, about your you know career and, and what you what you've done. I grew up in in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Played high school basketball there. Went to college at Davis and Elkins College and. Played there, was fortunate enough to play a little bit there. Um, I wasn't wasn't a very good student and wasn't uh, real interested in being a good student at the time. Okay. Um, so after my third year, I went back home, went to work, went to work in a in a chemical plant. Oh wow, you're like Albert Einstein kind of chemist type thing. No, no, I was <laughs> I wasn't that guy. I, I worked in a rail yard. Oh, that's okay. what I did. Yeah, okay. it was uh, it was a good paying job. That was that was about the only thing good about it. Okay. But um, so then along the way, I don't know, five or six years into it, a friend of mine approached me about about coaching, helping him coach a sixth grade basketball team. Hmm. Okay, and you know I was always involved or interested, I should say, in in athletics. So. I, you know, I was hesitant, I turned him down a couple times and finally agreed to do it and, uh, just really liked it. Mm. Um, and that was about the time I, I was really itching to, to finish my degree. And I mean, that's when I decided I was going to finish my teaching degree and I was, I was going to go into coaching. Okay. Um, Worked a couple basketball camps one summer, a, a guy named Charlie Hagley. I don't know if you know that name or not. Name. Huh. He does radio for Marshall basketball. Used to be used to be an assistant coach down there. Um, knew him well. He hooked me up with a couple of basketball camps. And I was down at Marshall registering for classes at this time. This is about 2000. And I'd worked a couple camps and stopped in his office, just thanking for hooking me up and everything. And he said, have you ever thought about going to school at West Virginia state? Oh, okay. I said, well, kind of. And he said, well, I want to give you a guy's number. He said, I, they're, they're, I, I think a guy might be interested in talking to you. His name's coach poor. So we, we connect, I go visit him and at the time he didn't have a he didn't have a full-time assistant he didn't have a part-time assistant offers me the job says you're gonna be 
you're going to be involved with everything. I mean, I had to be involved with everything. It was just me and him. So at, at a D2 basketball. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Right off the bat. <laughs> so, um, learned a ton, made a great friend. I mean, he's been a mentor and you know, how, how that, how, how it worked out was, it was just, just amazing. I mean, it, uh, just the opportunity right off the bat, but spent two years there with him, finished my degree, went back home to teach and was a graduate assistant at university of Rio Grande for a year. Got my master's degree. Uh, at that time, I decided, you know, I mean, I, I wanted to, I wanted to coach full time. Sure. So I uh, applied for some jobs, got hired as the full time assistant at Tiffin University. Mm-hmm. Was there a couple of years. The guy I worked for just got out of the business, and that's just I decided I, it was it was time to stop moving around all over the place. And so I, I just decided that I, I was going to do what I originally had planned to do. And that was coach high school basketball. Right. So went back home again, a uh, friend of mine, he was the head coach at Point Pleasant. I was okay. the JV coach. So nice. spent some time there. Uh, the job here at Nitro came open, uh, got hired, spent three years here and, then after that, I moved to Nitro or moved to St. Albans and spent three years there. That's awesome, Coach. That's well. I think the first time I'd heard of you, uh, our mutual friend Jim Jeffries was student teaching in your class. Yeah, I think it Sto- was at Stonewall. I think it was. It was. Yeah, you were you were coaching basketball at St. Albans, and I always, um, you know, when talk when I would talk to Jeffries, he'd be like, "Man, Coach Faber is the dude." I'm like, oh, okay. So then we met, and then you know, I, I just think highly of you, man. You're a heck of a heck of a coach, and um, I think it's great. I think it's great you're doing this with me, man. I've been looking forward to getting you on here. No, I appreciate it. Um, my first, my when I first met Jim, um, I was the athletic director at Stonewall, and he was an assistant baseball coach. Oh yeah, he gave me like a Stonewall Stonewall Jackson baseball hat. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he helped with the baseball team over there. I don't think he still does, but he did for a while. Yeah, that's cool. And now it's, what's, it's not even Stonewall Jackson anymore. West, West Side Middle School. West Side Middle School. That's awesome. Man. Well, coach, talk a little bit about like your basketball philosophy. Um, you know, were you a running gun guy, a possession guy? Like, talk a little bit about that. You know, we were, yeah, we did what, whatever gave us the best chance to win. Mm, that's good. The, uh, I mean, our, our program, I always thought that, I mean, discipline and hard work were what your program was going to be built on. And, you know, discipline, a lot of people take it as in a negative context. Sure. And that's, and I don't. Right. Um, Discipline to us is learning how to do something right and doing it that way all the time. Yeah. No doubt. So that was in in the hard work. I mean, just understanding that this might take some time. You, you you're going to put in some long hours. You're gonna you might have to come to practice early or stay late or get extra reps. But between discipline and and hard work, those were the those were the the, the foundations of of what our philosophy was built on. And in terms of style of play. 
I'll tell. I'll try to make this a quick story. Go ahead. No, you got it. Good. Do it. Do it. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was sitting in the office one morning at Tiffin. Season was over. NCAA tournament was going on. And I wanted to find out what the common traits of the championship teams were that the conference champions. That's wise. I took the Mid American or not the Mid yeah, the Mid American Conference, the Big East, the Big Ten, the conference we played in, which was the American Mid East, and the West Virginia Conference. And I took the conference champions and I compiled all this data of of where they ranked and all these stats. And that long story short, at the end of the day, all the champions they were they were not bad at anything. But there were there were three three stats that stuck out. Every one of them were were first or second in defensive rebounding, and the other two were offensive field goal percentage and defensive field goal percentage. One or the other, they were first in. Oh wow! And the one that they weren't first in, they were in the top four. Huh. So. I mean, I've spent four hours of my life compiling all this stuff or more. Right. Yeah. And I come, I mean, I've got it written down on a notepad and mm-hmm. I come to the conclusion. So to be good at basketball, you got to work to get high percentage shots. Mm-hmm. You've got to work to force the other team to get low percentage shots. Okay. And when they miss, you got to rebound it. I sit back in my chair and I'm like, I just spent four hours to figure that out. Yeah. I mean, I think about <laughs> like in football, it's like you got to play great defense, run the football, play great special teams. That's always it. Like, no, no matter, like your style doesn't really matter. As long as you hit those three things, you're going to be okay. You know what I mean? So, so, so my, yeah, I do. Yeah. I totally agree. And my next, so my next project was, okay, how how are we going to do this? Right, yeah. Um, You know, to get high percentage shots, I mean, were you going to be great in transition? Were you going to be – were you going to pound it in the post? Were you going to spread it out and drive it? Were you um, you going to offense – were you going to get second shots? You know, things like that. And defensively, were we going to press? Were we going to – were we going to zone? Were we going to – pressure you in quarter court, you know, how, how are we going to do it? Mm-hmm. And, and I've always thought, you know, what I've always thought you need a leader. So, okay. so the topic, so the, so what I came down to is I always thought we needed a, a good point guard. Right. Um, I mean, in basketball, you know, transitions go and, you know, sometimes things start going a little sideways. Sure. Right. And you, we need somebody that's going to get us right when when things start going sideways sure so we always want thought we needed a good point guard i thought we uh offensively we had to find ways to manufacture points in the paint right okay whether that was again fast break driving it cutting posting offensive rebounding Mm -hmm. and then the third thing is defensively i thought we had to defend the paint Mm, i got you we couldn't um couldn't give up transition buckets, couldn't give up layups, uh, couldn't give up second shots. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. in terms of 
how we played, I mean, those were the those were the three things that that we always tried to hit. I was listening to somebody talk about how like the the best shot in basketball is a corner three. And I think to myself, that's a long shot. Like I guess somebody did some statistics on that. What are your thoughts on like the the movement to like, hey, let's just shoot as many threes as we can shoot in a game at, at like I guess at least the college and the pro level at least. Well, the the analytical guys have determined that it's it's a more efficient way to score. Mm. I mean, you know, just doing the math. I mean, right. You shoot fifty percent from two point range, or mm. or thirty three percent from three point range. I mean, you, you right. Uh, I mean, you got the same. Is that right? You got the same amount of points. Coach, I'm not a math guy. You're going to blow. My mind <laughs> okay. <here in> a <laughs> so, but and on top of that, the three point shot for kids today. I mean, it's it's not a difficult shot. Oh, okay. I, I was wondering about that. I mean, I think like. I was a horrible basketball player. I barely played middle school, but like, it's not that hard of a shot these days. No, no. Okay. Okay. Um, so kind of back going to my math. So if I shoot 50% from two uh-huh. and 33% from three, it's the same, right? It's the same total. So okay. that's, um, and 33% from three point ranges is, is, is not really that good. Right. Okay. And fifty percent from two point range is pretty good. So right. okay. So it's harder to shoot fifty percent right from two than it is thirty three percent from three. And you know the corner three, I think that's more directed to the NBA. Oh, okay. Because the corner threes in the NBA are, are shorter than. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't. I don't know what the distance is, okay. but um, but okay. yeah, it's a shorter shot than it is from the top. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, when I was like growing up, I had a couple of friends who played basketball and, you know, had a, a family friend who was really like a pretty good high school coach and she, a girls basketball coach. And she was always talking about get the ball in the paint, drive to the bucket. But now you hear more of, you know, let's drive it and kick it for three. Um, so has that been like the, the theme, I guess, in offensive basketball the last couple of years? Yeah, it has been. And the the philosophy of driving it and kicking it a couple things. I mean, you drive it, you get the defense to collapse. Mm. And one of the big emphasis offensively is you want paint touches. Okay. So you want the three points shot when the ball's coming out from the paint mm. instead of catching it from the side and squaring up, right? It's coming out and you're already squared up. Okay. So, so that's the, so it's you're collapsing the defense and you're you're putting your shooter in a better spot. Okay. Coach, I'm learning all kinds of basketball stuff. <laughs> I'm glad I can help. This is awesome. I coached youth I coached church league basketball for one season. Uh all I knew all I knew was like four out, five out, you know, like pass, pick away, pass, uh, cut. Um, and then high low for zone. You know, that's basically what we did. If we got well, zone, we were high low. There's 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 been a lot of guys that were pretty good with that philosophy. Oh, well, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know like the details of it. You know right. what I mean? Um, you were talking about like defensively, full court press or zone. Like, is that a personnel thing? Or like in football, we're going to play man to man if our DBs are pretty good. Like in basketball, is it kind of the same philosophy? It is personnel. I mean, if you got a, uh, I mean, if you got a athletic group. Um, yeah, you're going to want to extend a little bit more. Or if you got a, uh, 
you know, a bigger, slower group than, I mean, the ultimate goal to me was always keep the other team from scoring. Right. And I was never a big press guy, full court press guy, for the simple fact that it's not in my DNA to 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 handle being able to give up layups. Oh, I got you. Okay. And if you if you extend, mm-hmm. you're going to give up more layups. Yeah. So my philosophy was always, and I'm going to ask you this question. <laughs> I love it. Interview me. I love it. Do it. Where's the hardest place to score from on a football field? Oh, golly, when you're backed up. You know what I mean? Is that what you're talking about? Like, the- well, the 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 right answers in the red zone. Oh yeah, it is hard. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, we struggled with that this past year. Sure. So yeah, why so. why is that? Why is it difficult to to score in the red zone? Because the space goes away. There's right. More space. Yeah. Right. You have to win a matchup. The defense doesn't have as much area to cover. Right. There's no vertical threat. Yeah. So that's kind of my philosophy with oh, pressing. Okay. Is you're not going to press good teams. I mean, they're, they pass it too well. They yeah. they handle it too well. Hmm. And I I just think you're putting your defense at a bigger disadvantage, asking them to guard, for example, 94 feet, mm-hmm. as opposed to if you're point of pickups at half court or, you know, there were times when, I mean, we would, we won't guard you outside of three point line. Right. Sure. To, um, hmm. And, you know, we just my philosophy. I mean, it was, yeah, you're maybe not creating the turnovers and the other teams not throwing the ball around as much, which is going to lead you to easy buckets. You may not be right. getting much of that, but you're, you're, I think you're keeping the other team at a lower percentage. Sure. <clears throat> yeah. I was, I did a, I was talking to somebody on the podcast this past summer and, he was talking about the age of playing fast. They like to play slow. <laughs> and I thought to myself, for us here, definitely, like, you know, nitro football, like, we have to play slow for a number of reasons. But, I mean, I think you can go one way or the other, you know, depending on personnel and numbers and, and things of that nature. Well, I always thought that the more possessions benefits the team with more talent. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And in basketball, you know, when, when we were better, mm-hmm. I mean, I wanted oh yeah, 70 sure. possessions. Yeah. You know, when we've gone, when we would go into games where, you know, we gotta, we gotta keep the number of possessions down. Um, you know, we, we wanted to, to slow it down a little bit, but the, uh, and we, and that that's that can be tough in in basketball, for example, because I mean the whole, I think one of the hardest things to do is get your kids to get your team to transition from offense to defense. Mm. So from from the standpoint of the offensive coach, I want to make you do that. I want to make you transfer transition from offense right. to defense. Sure. So to make you do that and do it well, I mean, we got to run it at you. We've got to try to get easy buckets in, mm-hmm. in transition. Sure. Um, so I mean, it can be it, it can be a little sure a right. little delicate sometimes. And 
and your you know your defense can dictate how how quick the other teams sure. getting shots. Sure. So I, and I guess in in football is it the play clock? Is that what you rely on? Yeah, I mean, you know, you're, you're having called plays for two years. Like your instinct after a big play is to go fast because mm-hmm. like they're scrambling. But like this year with you know COVID and injuries and stuff. I had to kind of suppress that like big play still go slow, baby. You yeah. know what I mean? Like keep it mellow, you know, let your guys rest. Cause those same guys have to go play defense and special teams too. So, right. But like you were saying, like if you're, you have the numbers or your talents like equal, that's your big play. You want to go pretty quick. Cause uh-huh. they're, oh, I got to get the call in and you know, um, and you usually get a call to stop the play you just ran. So let's say you run like a screen. Mm-hmm. They're going to drop eight. Well, that's great. Now I can run the ball at you. You know what I mean? Like, right. So that's usually what you get. Um, okay. So like in basketball, like if you have a like a good run of like a series of points, is that kind of what happens? Like they're trying to stop what you just did, obviously. So like you can kind of like counterpunch a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, it's very typical of in high school. I mean, you know, you score three times in a row or you know whatever whatever that that was always my philosophy if we got scored on three times in a row i mean it was, we're I'm, I'm stopping this thing we're we're taking a time out yeah. and um usually when you go back out the you know what whatever whatever the other team just did i mean right. if i'm if i'm guarding you man to man and you just scored three times in a row on me well right. i'm not gonna keep playing man to man i'm coming out i'm showing you something different right and then knowing they're probably going to have a plan to attack you in zone. Sure. Right? Yeah. So, like, you're, like, coaching your kids. Like, hey, they're probably going to do this since we show them this, right? Sure. Yeah, there ain't nothing more more frustrating coming out of a timeout. And you've got this beautiful set drawn up, and they're in something totally different. Yeah. You're like, oh, Then, man, then, then you're yelling something from the sideline yeah. trying to get into something different. Yeah. We, I mean, I think about offense, you call a screen to wide receiver and because they've been in off coverage, and all of a sudden they're impressed. You're like, Jack, Jack, Jack. Like, you know, he's like, <laughs> right. call their play. Right. He's going to get smoked. Oh, man. Well, shoot, coach, what advice would you give to like a young coach trying to get into this profession? Because this is, I think it's a great calling, but like what I think there's, there's definite wisdom people need when they, they are thinking about getting into coaching. Wow, there's a lot. The uh, you know one of the big things that I learned was at, at somewhere along the way is I was better when I was myself. Mm. And you know I grew up I was a Bob Knight fan. You know as a young coach, I, you know, this is back when he was still at Cincinnati. I really got interested in Bob Huggins. Mm. There's a guy at uh, that's since passed away, but former coach at Lipscomb University in Nashville named Don Meyer. Um, you know, I've studied a bunch of guys, but John Beeline, I mean, you know, all, all the good ones, but the, and, and we, we, we stole a lot of the philosophies of, of a Bob Knight or a Bob Huggins, but I can't act like those guys if I want to. Right. Sure. And you know, what, what, but what I can do is, and I don't know that they get the credit that they deserve is, I mean, is, is their organization and their teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, I mean, yeah, just, I mean, you know, study the styles and the philosophies that you like, but, but, but you got to adapt it to who you are. And, you know, another thing is you can, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big, I write things down. Mm -hmm. Um, the, uh, and it, it's it, at some point along the way, I mean, I, I felt like when I got better, it's when I got everything down on paper and organized. Yeah. Um, you know, some people don't have to do that. I, I'm not one of them. I mean, I, I wanted to get the, you know, the, the who, the why, the what, the where, the how, I mean, I, I had to get that organized sure. and, and, and get that on paper. So th th those would be, two of the, you know, two things that, that I would tell somebody that's interested in getting into the business. And sure. I mean, and it was, uh, I mean, on the topic of relationship building, the, I had a college professor and I thought it sounded goofy at the time. Mm -hmm. Students don't care what you know until they know that you care. Yeah, absolutely. And I like to say, I thought it sounded goofy, but I look back on that. And I mean, that's, that's, that's great advice. Sure. I mean, you gotta, you gotta invest time in, in building relationships and, um, because if, 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 if they don't think you care for them on a personal level, right. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're not going to go the extra mile for yeah, you for sure. Coach. I appreciate you coming into the, my classroom here at Nitro. Appreciate you coming and spending some time with us, giving you giving your wisdom. And uh, man, you're this is great. I'm gonna go back and list this one. Take some notes, like your notepad you have next to you. This is, <laughs> this is awesome, Coach. Thank you for coming and doing this. Well, I appreciate it. I enjoyed it.